This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. I'm not joking. I kill people. I'm exactly the Jerry type for you. Lately, there are these moments when I feel connected to something else. Would you please stop doing that? And stop saying stupid things. Talk about your bloodbath. <laughs> Greetings, sociopaths. Welcome to Avenging Angels here on Film Geek Radio. This is our podcast devoted exclusively to the eighth and final season of the Showtime series, Dexter. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined by my dark passenger, Charlie Nash. Hey, Andrew. How are you doing, Charlie? Uh, not so well. I'm dating this new woman, and uh, I'm taking care of her kids, and these kids never liked any of the guys that she's dated, so now I'm under a lot of pressure. Oh, wait, this is that movie, Are We There Yet?, with Ice Cube. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, wrong Are We There Yet. Oh, <laughs> that's embarrassing. I'm sorry. I, You know, I, after I watched this, I was like, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I better go rent it, so. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. I forgot that was a movie. Well, as always, we are here to talk about Dexter. We are not experts, but we have been following the series from the beginning. Like all of the shows on Film Geek Radio, we aim to take a critical look at the show and figure out what works and what really doesn't work. Charlie, as I'm sure you'd agree, this season of Dexter has definitely been uneven and kind of a mixed bag. Uh, yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> well, I'm really curious to hear what you thought of this week's episode. But before we dive into that, I have a little bit of feedback I want to talk about. Um, and I, I want to throw out here at the top of the show, if you listen to us and you like our podcast uh, and, you, and you'd like to help us out, please just take two minutes, go to our iTunes page, uh, write us a review and leave us a leave us a rating and you know you don't have to say a whole lot just say hey this is a good podcast and that would really help us out a bunch we thank you uh if you've taken the time to write in or you've commented on the website it really means a lot to know that people are listening we got a comment on the website charlie from alex who you may remember a few weeks ago had also commented and had taken us to task a little bit for forgetting a few details from previous seasons. But Alex uh, commented on last week's episode and said, No, no, no. Keep hating. It's okay now. I used to, <laughs> I used to hate season six. Season six? Not as bad now. This is the bad one. Sport hate this series into oblivion. Go for the gold. We will listen. So thank you for writing in, Alex. I... I it, it, appears that now more and more listeners are joining us and not exactly loving every aspect of this season of Dexter. Well, that's a relief because I don't want to sound like a complete jerk. So <laughs> thank you, Alex. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, apparently Alex wants you to complain more. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, like, rubbing my palms together and, like, ready to cackle. <laughs> so don't hold back, Charlie. Don't hold back. All right. Uh, well, this is episode number nine of Avenging Angels, focused on uh, the eighth episode of season eight of Dexter. The episode is titled, Are We There Yet? This episode was written by Wendy West and directed by Holly Dale. Charlie, why don't you go ahead and remind our listeners what happened this episode? So after Dexter helps Hannah dispose of the body of her dead husband, they drive off to find Zach Hamilton. Unbeknownst to them, Deb has placed a GPS tracker underneath Dexter's car and has followed them 
to where Zack has been hiding. Deb cannot uh, bring herself to arrest Hannah due to the fact that it would hurt Dexter. As it turns out, Zack may in fact be innocent, though, and may not have been Cassie's killer. The reason he was on the run was he was following a former classmate of his, who a couple years ago murdered his girlfriend on spring break. Dexter is ready to take him under his wing again, and then he and Hannah show up at Vogel's house for dinner, where they discuss boredom, ironically, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, attempt to figure out who Cassie's real killer could have been after the dinner party is over. Dexter and Hannah make love in the hotel room while Vogel drives Zack home. Unfortunately, though, when Dexter shows up to uh, see if Zack has made it home safely, a chunk of his head is missing, and it turns out that the brain surgeon is not dead at all. He's back. Dexter realizes that his love for Hannah is so strong that if he were to give up killing and settle down with her, he might have a chance at a normal life, and stops her from getting on the plane at the last second before we cut to credits. All right, before we really dive into things, here is a clip. On a scale of 1 to 10... Ten being out of our lives forever. Where the f*** is Hannah McKay? She's not a threat, Deb. On the last time we talked on this subject, you said I'm on top of it. And I am. Are you on top of it or are you on top of her? Deb. Is she in Miami? (sighs) What the f*** is she doing here? It has to do with her husband. The casino guy? Yeah, he's abusive, verbally and physically. They sound perfect. What about him? She wanted me to... Why didn't she do it herself? Too much scrutiny. Did you do it? No. Well, that must have pissed her off. What's to keep her from trying to kill us again? She didn't try to kill us. She wanted to get my attention. By poisoning me and leaving you on the side of the road? All right, Charlie. Let's leave this stuff about the brain surgeon and how the brain surgeon is back till later. Let's make that our main topic because I think that sort of touches on some interesting issues related to how this season has been structured and what exactly the the plan may be. Where would you like to start in discussing this episode? You're you're the guy who's been complaining a lot. <laughs> I feel like even though we're both negative at times on the show, I feel like you're overall more negative than I am. So I'm just going to let you decide what you want to talk about. You can decide. Do you want to begin by discussing what pissed you off the least or what pissed you off the most? Oh, I don't know where to begin, Andrew. And for some reason, I just got this weird image that, like, I'm Bert and you're Ernie or something. Uh <laughs> <laughs> like, or I, I, I seriously don't know where to begin. Um, you're right. I'm the guy sitting in the bathtub playing with his rubber ducky, and you're the one constantly reminding me that the rubber ducky is ugly and <laughs> deflated, <laughs> and I shouldn't be enjoying myself. <laughs> yeah, the, if this season was a rubber ducky, it, it's been inflated, deflated uh, at least three episodes ago. Um, seriously, Andrew, uh, apart from the last five minutes, did anything happen? I think some stuff happened. I, I actually, I liked a lot of this episode, and I know I said the same thing last week. I think now that I'm sort of seeing, okay, how they're handling the death of Cassie, what that really was, what's really going on, I actually think there are a lot of good ideas that they are playing with in this season. However, like I suggested last week, I think episodes four and five of this season 
fundamentally crippled the execution of a lot of these ideas. And I'm as, as I'm watching the show, I'm imagining in my head what this season could have been like if they had kept these ideas, but maybe structured the season differently and 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 really changed how they handled episodes four and five. And I think there's a lot of good stuff here that could have been really, really interesting and really good, but it, it's not really hitting the sweet spot because of larger problems in terms of how this season is structured. I will defend certain ideas and certain things that they are doing. Well, if you think that episodes four and five crippled this season, I now think that these past two episodes have uh, put the season on life support and it needs like a machine to breathe. I, I, I don't <laughs> think so. I, I don't think okay. so. I don't think so. I, I actually like this episode. I, I, there are some good things about this episode. I guess we can start off. I'll talk about something that I uh, wasn't really expecting to react the way I did. Last week, I defended the interactions between Deb and Elway. This week, I have no idea what was going on. No. What the point was. It's basically just Deb sitting around going, hey, maybe I should stop working for you, and Elway getting really pissed off for no reason. Yeah, and all that uh, chemistry and possible sexual tension is gone. There's not even a hint of that when she says, I want to leave. Right. I mean, this this is Elway's chance. He needs to step up, and, and they need to turn this into some melodramatic soap opera moment where he's like, you can't leave, Deb. I love you. <laughs> and out of all of the things that they could have made melodramatic, that would have been the most appropriate, and everything <laughs> else in this episode is melodramatic, and it is the it is so either laughably awful... Oh, I disagree. I disagree. Oh, my God, Andrew. <laughs> the writing in this episode, I think this could be the worst written episode of the whole season. I, oh, I, no. I, no. I hated, literally, the characters, they are saying their motivations. Every single character is saying, the, the, the writers are telling us how to feel and never showing the characters actually being normal people and even in this surrealistic season eight Dexter universe. I agree with you to a certain extent. I, I, I think that this episode, in terms of the writing, I like some of the developments that happen. I like some of the ideas that they're playing with. But in terms of specific dialogue, yes, you were right. There is a that that confrontation between Hannah and Deb oh was God. painful. I wanted to rip my ears out because Hannah is giving this like big speech about morality and like basically just directly <laughs> stating the themes of the episode and laying out her motivations. She says, quote, sometimes right and wrong don't even make it into the equation. Sometimes there are other forces driving us. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa on the nose much exactly you know what i thought when she said sometimes there are other forces driving us and then deb says what's driving you i almost wanted her to blurt out the writers of showtime like <laughs> like, like nothing just, is driving me i go where they demand a paycheck <laughs> i don't know <laughs> like it was so bad that scene didn't make any sense um other lines that i loved Deb in the car talking to Elway, she murders people and she gets away with it. I cannot wait to fucking find her. Like, we don't know that. Um, <laughs> uh, there's another piece of dialogue in the beginning of the episode. Uh, there was some blood left on the whiskey bottle in Miles's place. 
it made me so happy because it reminded me of you. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I get that. <laughs> but like, you should not be happy that you left a trace of blood at a crime scene. <laughs> oh, God, so many terrible lines. Elway saying, are you sure that uh, Hannah was here? And she goes, yeah, you don't believe me? And he goes, well, there are a lot of pretty blind girls in Miami, and apparently there's a lot of blind, dumb assholes around Miami, too. Because Hannah's, like we said, this is a complaint that we made last episode, Hannah's not disguising herself uh, in, the, in the least. She's wearing beautiful makeup, she's got beautiful blonde hair, she's got the most gorgeous outfits on. Another piece of dialogue where a character is literally saying how they're feeling instead of showing it, and this is like the fourth scene we see Jamie in. Quinn, I am freaking out. My friend was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so some of these examples, Charlie, I, I'll hand it to you. They're pretty bad. Other other times, you know, I don't go in expecting Dexter to have the most realistic dialogue. It is very cartoonish at times. It always has been a pretty over-the-top show. So I'm willing to to go with, with with that soap opera dialogue where people are directly stating how they feel to a certain extent. But there were moments in this episode that just crossed the line. Um, and, and also, just getting back to, to Deb and Elway, I don't understand how Deb, being a fairly smart individual, could go from being super gung-ho about getting Hannah around Elway to thinking, oh, well, I'll just tell him that there's nothing to worry about, and I'm sure he won't think that's weird. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, Quinn got over uh, her trying to confess pretty quickly, though. I mean, these <laughs> that... characters uh, can just uh, change their minds at random, and uh, other characters around them don't seem to care. So uh, I, I, I don't know, but I will agree with you. That is a terrible contrivance. But I do have to say my two favorite lines, uh, one of which is Ghost Harry in the back seat. which, by the way, that shot of Harry in the rearview mirror, first of all, that cracked me up, and then second of all... Yeah, okay, that's a, that's a... See, that's the thing. Ghost Harry, I feel like to a certain extent by this point, the writers realize Ghost Harry is just kind of dumb and goofy. And I feel <laughs> like, to a certain extent, they're having fun with it. Like, here's Dexter talking to his dead father <laughs> while Zach is asleep right next to him. I mean, Ugh. it's it's just so ridiculous. I, I feel like the writers are kind of having a little fun with that. I didn't mind that too much. He, he doesn't even so much feel like a character anymore, so much as like one of those uh, optional bonus features that you have on the DVD where Harry's head like pops up and a little bubble like just uh, says what Harry says, like, look, Dexter's passing the torch on to Zach. You know what they really should do? That's a great idea. They should shoot each scene twice, and uh, it, the second time they should have James Ramar just in the background talking about what's happening, and then they should just put that on the DVD as, like, the commentary. The commentary <laughs> should just be Harry in the background of every single scene talking <laughs> about how the show was made. James Ramar doing a commentary in Harry, like, in character as Harry. <laughs> that would be brilliant. And then Harry on the show. I half expect Harry on the show to, like, just whip out a six-pack and just, like, crack open a beer in the back of the car and just, like, chill. Because, like, he's just so... Every single line he says, I mean, it's not even the actor's fault. I'm sure this is the way they want him to deliver it. But, like, every single line he has is in the same monotonous tone. It's just like, in case you can't see what we're trying to do here, audience, Ghost Harry's going to explain it to you and hit you over the head as if you're getting, like, stabbed in the brain. Oh, the, but the best line, I have to say, the the best line, which a lot of other reviews have pointed out, is Vogel saying, The greatest obstacle in life isn't danger, it's boredom. 
And I'm thinking, uh, this season of Dexter has not gotten dangerous at all. And if anything, I've been more bored as it's been going on. And then on top of that, they find the DNA, uh, Zach's DNA, underneath the fingernails. And they're trying to think of uh, who could have possibly killed Cassie. And then Bogle says, see? Never a dull moment. And I just laughed out loud so hard because I'm like, are you kidding me? This this whole episode is either so bonkers that I'm like, I have tears in my eyes. I'm laughing so hard. Or it's just so incredibly dull. You know, I, I don't even hate Hannah. I feel like I'm so back and forth on whether or not Hannah's a good character. But these scenes with Hannah were deadly in terms of how dull they were. Okay, I want to talk about Hannah in a little bit. But all, all I'll say about the, the Vogel thing... You know, yeah, some of that dialogue was kind of goofy, but I like how Vogel is actually in this episode and doing stuff, and I like how, by the end of this episode, they have set her up to have a bigger role. Okay, the the first scene she's in it, I, I, I thought was hilarious, because she's like, he had such potential, you saw that. And I'm like, well, that's what you were like two episodes ago, but last week you were like, he can't control his urges, so why are you acting so shocked? And then the second episode, uh, the second scene that she was in, it was like the weirdest episode of like Full House or, you know, All in the Family. It just, it was so bizarre. Part of me thought that it was literally just going to go crazy, like, you know, Zach and Hannah were going to like vomit up blood and Dexter was going to faint and like Vogel was just going to take her wine glass and like they would fade out and they're like in some saw torture chamber or something. I just wanted like something insane to happen i i kind of liked that dinner scene though just because it's this weird perverse family dinner of sorts where you've got mom dad the kid and grandma all gathered around the <laughs> table together and they're all psychopaths kind of and I, it was this weird like Texas Chainsaw Massacre-style family dinner, and I I kind of liked it. I was like, okay, this is kind of goofy, but it's, it's twisted, and it's over the top, and what's Vogel doing here? She's like this, the matriarch of this weird family. What's going on with her? I, I kind of liked it. I mean, I, it was my favorite uh, scene of the episode because I was laughing so hard and going, what is this? Like, I have <laughs> no idea what is going on in this show. Like, it's funny that the boring, the line where she says, uh, nothing's worse than boredom because in the most entertaining scene of the show. But I have to say every other scene around that was pretty tough to sit through for me. But I will give you that. It was so offbeat. It was so over the top. It bordered on self-parody, which is what I wish that this show, this season did more often. It was like one of the few scenes of this episode that didn't take itself seriously at all. And it, it, in fact, it went so over the top that it did feel like from another show. Oh, I don't think so. I, I think, I think it felt like some of the best scenes of Dexter some of the best seasons of the show have been right on the verge of just being too campy and and too ridiculous. Dexter as a show deals with a lot of dark stuff, but it does it in such an over the top way that it when it can find that line to walk, when it can find that balance between being really really dark and just goofy, I think that's where the show is at its best. And and that scene 
I think, kind of captured a lot of that. Well, it was certainly the most interesting scene of this episode, considering that every other scene was just stilted or incredibly melodramatic. I'm gonna, I'm disagree with you, man. I okay, disagree with okay. You. okay. But, but I, I, I'm going to defend Hannah. I, I want to hear this. I'm going to defend her to you in just a second. But while we're on the subject of comedy and things being funny, I got to say... I still like how Nikki's around for comic relief, and she's this new age obsessed person who wants to like clean out the evil juju of the lab. I thought that that was good for a few laughs. Ultimately, meaningless, but in terms of giving us a little break from everything else, I thought it was nice. Just when I think that subplot can't get any weirder, it somehow manages to. Do, does she do that in her topless bar? Does she walk around like with Sage in the topless bar? Did she complain to her manager about that? I was like, this is so out of left field. Yeah, she. I'm sure every night she comes in and was like, I can feel the bad energy from where girls were harassed, so I need to uh, get the evil juju out of here. Maybe she's uh, actually the daughter, the grown-up daughter of uh, Vera Farmiga in The Conjuring. That must be it, yep. But yeah, I, I, I'm, still, I'm still enjoying that subplot. I mean, yeah, but it had, like, what happened in it apart from the sage stuff. Nothing. Like, it, was nothing. Com- <laughs> it was completely light and fluffy, Yeah, but I, but I liked it. Once again, my big complaint. This, what what happened in this episode? Nothing. Stuff happened in this episode! Nothing! <laughs> no, I disagree. Okay. 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 I want to hear your defense. I'll stop interrupting. Let's talk about Hannah. Before I defend Hannah, I want you to tell me what exactly you don't like about Hannah and what they're doing with her in this season. Uh, well, the fact that she's just walking around my... Well, as I said, I don't want to repeat myself, but she's walking around Miami as beautiful as ever. Well, that's going to change next week, probably, because Elway has called the authorities. Yeah, Elway has called the authorities, thank God. That scene where Deb took her, took him out to the dock, and she's like, I know the boat was here. And then he's, like, making fun of her, and he's like, you know, there are a lot of pretty blind girls in Miami. I'm just like, apparently there are a lot of... Uh, she's the only one who can see, because uh, Hannah's not someone that you, like, would walk by on the sidewalk and just ignore. She looks like a supermodel. By the way, are you saying... Do you keep saying, when you're quoting Elway, pretty blind girls? Do you mean pretty blonde girls? Oh... Pretty blonde girl. Okay, that makes more sense. See, I thought he was insulting Deb by saying there are a lot of pretty blind girls in Miami. I don't know. Maybe... Oh, I don't remember the scenes, but that's the second time you've said pretty blind girls, and I was like, wait, is that what was said, or...? It's definitely one of the two, and pretty blonde girls would make more sense, and now I'm probably doubting that it was pretty blind girls, because... Uh, even though the writing was bad in this episode, it can't be that bad. So yeah, (laughs) you you probably just corrected me on that. Okay. I just found their scenes to be so boring. The scenes where they're eating lunch are, they just, it's, it's dead in the water. It just feels weird to, after all they've been through, like I get that they're in love and people fall in love with people for a myriad of reasons that don't make sense. And that Dexter is fighting that, and so is Hannah. But I don't know. There's no real spark to me there. I don't blame the actors. Uh, I think that they're doing what they can with the material, but Hannah has literally come into this season. She's driven it off into another direction after we've had a billion sob plots that have not paid off. And now she's the main focus of this episode, and they spend the whole episode... With Dexter just going, I love Hannah, but she is not safe in Miami, and she's not good for me, and she's not good for Deb, and she needs to leave. She needs to leave. Uh, I'm really sad that she has to leave. 
yeah, we're going to have sex one more time, and I'm really sad that she needs to leave. Actually, wait, I love you too much. Don't leave. End of the episode. Like, nothing happens. And it's, or nothing interesting. Like, I get what they're trying to do by developing the depth of this romance, but there's nothing really there in the dialogue to really get me involved. But Charlie, okay, you gotta clarify. Are you complaining about, is, is it the specific dialogue and the execution of this idea that you don't like, or is it the idea itself that you don't like? Uh, both, I want to say, because, okay. like, like I said before, like, just some of the dialogue, like, oh, the drop of blood on the bottle of whiskey, it was, it made me happy because it reminded me of you, and I'm just, like, rolling my eyes at that. I still can't get over how she, uh, you know, went after Dexter by poisoning him and dragging him off the side of the highway. I'm sorry. It's just the show's just trying to say, just forget all the weird, crazy stuff that happened in the last episode and look how in love they are. And without a good buildup, it's hard to sell that. I'm holding a grudge. I realize it. But like this, uh, this whole season is just so wacky and so off the rails with, I don't know what they're trying to do. Like, I'm assuming at this point... The tragedy that they're going to build up is that either Dexter or Hannah are going to die, or we're supposed to be rooting for them to live happily ever after. And now that Deb hasn't arrested her, Deb has seen that she doesn't want to hurt her brother and that she might be okay with Hannah in her life, which would really piss me off considering that Hannah tried to kill Deb. She's never apologized to that. Dexter doesn't care. There's just so many weird things that have led up to this point where it's just hard for me to buy it, even in this weird Dexter universe. I'm not going to defend every aspect of the execution, and, you know, we already talked last time about how the stuff with her drugging Deb and Dexter was just stupid. Yeah. In terms of the season as, as a whole. Great as a cliffhanger, but just really dumb when looking at this arc overall. So forgetting that that happened for a sec, okay? Okay. I like how they have brought Hannah back, and rather than making her another obstacle or another villain, they're reintroducing this romance. Because for the first time in this season, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time where Dexter actually has a goal. He has something driving him forward it used to be, I want to kill, or I want to get to know this person, or I want to help Lumen, or I want to figure out how the Trinity Killer has managed to do what he does. This is, seems like the first time this season where he's had a, a, an actual goal that seems meaningful. Okay, I'm ignoring all the stuff where he was like, well, I have to help Dr. Vogel find the brain surgeon, because <laughs> that was, that was kind of dumb. Okay. Although it looks like we're going to get back on that route, which I'm not right. happy about. But anyways. Well, well, okay, here's the thing. I mean, it, it wasn't terrible. It was kind of interesting. But it wasn't a goal that Dexter was actually pursuing because he wanted to pursue it. He was kind of just doing it because he wanted to help Dr. Vogel. Because she was this new figure in his life that seemed important. This is the first time where Dexter is like, okay... This is what I want. I want Hannah. I love Hannah. This is what's driving me forward from now on. Maybe I can change. Maybe I can leave this all behind. So as I'm watching this play out, again, I'm not going to defend every aspect of the execution or every line of dialogue, but I'm just thinking to myself, finally, this is interesting. Dexter has a goal. They're bringing up uh, that question of whether or not he can stop killing again, whether or not that's something he wants to do. They're finally bringing this conflict to fruition, that, that they're finally boiling it all down to, can Dexter quit? 
which is what I think the focus of this season should have been all along. Yeah. Should have been him dealing with, do I have to keep doing this? This is finally a motivation I feel like I can get behind. I think it's interesting. I'm very curious to see what his ultimate epiphany is going to be about whether he can be with Hannah or whether outside forces are going to get in the way. And I, I, I'm actually, I think from a character perspective, this is a really good move. I will give you that. It does give us a coherent narrative arc for Dexter to go down in terms of can he quit. I guess I just, and yes, this is me being harsh, it's just like, it almost feels as if, like, a UFO came into Miami and just dropped Hannah off into it, and, like, it's just everything around Hannah is so screwed up from, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but everything from her drugging him to, oh, I know this uh, passport guy. Who is this passport guy? How does Dexter know? I mean, he was in the Miami PD, but, like, okay, I have a passport guy. Okay, we can change your identity. Okay, who the hell is the pilot that's flying her away? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Who is that guy? Like, I'm just like, how did Dexter find a pilot to fly her away on a private jet in the middle of nowhere? She probably found him. She's rich. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Okay, yeah, maybe she found him through Miles. But that's a dramatic moment for Dexter to say, don't leave. Please don't leave. And it's supposed to be this huge dramatic payoff. And if I'm thinking, wait, who's flying that plane and not really caring about, like whether or not they stay together that that's bothersome to me it also like i love the outfit that she had on and was it like trying to be some like homage to casablanca or something it just like i i don't know oh i i, di- I didn't even pay attention i can't remember i i just felt like they were trying to like reference casablanca with a different ending but uh, maybe i'm just digging too deep and giving it too much credit there um i don't know it's just everything around hannah just pisses me off so much the fact that no one's noticed her the fact that she has access to everything And, you know, like, it all goes back to what Vogel said about, you know, like, there's no danger, there's no stakes, they can get away with anything on this show, that it's just impossible for me to actually give a crap or feel danger. You know, the cops show up for five seconds, and then they just avoid them, and they're like, well, good thing we got out of that pickle. Well, see, that's why I like this development, because finally there are stakes for Dexter. Finally, (sighs) he has something that he wants, that he, that he, that, that is propelling him forward that could potentially be taken away from him. Which is a really bland romance, especially in comparison to Rita. Uh, yeah, I, I, well, okay. It makes me miss Rita a lot. Well, I, yeah, I, I do like Rita overall. I think Hannah is probably a more interesting character than Rita in some ways. At least she's a flashier character. She's a killer. She can help Dexter out. It's not as normal of a relationship far from it. So it, it's a little bit more exciting. I agree with you. The main problem with this Hannah subplot is that it's rushed. Far too rushed. It, it's it's extremely rushed, which is weird because you're saying you're bored at how they're developing it, but at the same time it needs to have been developed more. It's boring because they're rushing it with like cliche melodrama that I've seen a million times before and all these other things. It's either and it's either I'm bored to tears or like it's just so incredibly insane 
that I can't believe that this is taking place in the same universe that we've watched these characters uh, inhabit for the first seven seasons. Rachel uh, Hughes from the Dexter cast uh, and I were talking about this on last week's episode of that show. Hannah just doesn't feel like a real person to me. She always feels like she's being whipped around by plot developments. It's never really, she never really has time to breathe. And this is an episode where they finally did give her time to breathe. And I just didn't find her that interesting. But then whenever she does have time to breathe, uh, as you said, she's having like interactions with Deb where she's shouting out this babble that just doesn't make sense. And like, she doesn't feel real, especially if you're going to introduce her into the season with, oh, I'm going to drug Dexter and then leave him on the side of the highway. And, uh, oh, I have this rich husband. We'll off him off. No one cares. Uh, uh, they'll, they'll get this passport guy to change the, uh, her identity. No one will notice her. We'll get this pilot to fly her away out of nowhere. She is like invisible to everyone else in the world except Dexter, who can't stop thinking about her. I'm not denying it's it's messy. I mean, every time someone is like, but Dexter, she drugged you. And he's like, but it was just to get my attention. I want to hit him. Dexter's <laughs> insane. Hannah's insane too. But that doesn't mean that I want them to get together. That's just me going, you two are crazy people. What is wrong with you? Okay, okay. <laughs> well, well to, to, to move on from Hannah, and I'll I'll bring her back up later on because i, I want to run something by you at the end of this episode but to move on to some of the other subplots nothing really happened with jamie and quinn this episode she's back to hating deb out of nowhere <laughs> come on and, and okay and this is in the same episode when she's still dealing with cassie's death and like <laughs> deb and dexter are talking about the case or something and jamie's just like I don't know how you guys do it, or whatever. And (laughs) then, like, a few scenes later, she's complaining about Deb again. And I'm like, but you just, like, showed that you kind of respected her? Yeah, exactly. And not to mention, um, I'm freaking out. You you know, like, uh, my friend was murdered, and Quinn was like, well, that's why I'm trying to catch this guy. And she goes, yeah, well, if if, if Deb wanted you to stay with her, then you would stay with her. And he goes, well, uh, Deb would want to catch the killer as fast as possible. And that just had me howling, because I'm just like... Quinn, you are an asshole. Like, you do not say that to some... I get it, I get it, it's true to Deb's character, but that's not... Like, you could at least put it in a more subtle way or something. No, Quinn, <laughs> Quinn is not an asshole. Quinn is an idiot. Okay? Yes, that's true. He's, he's dumb. That's been his... <laughs> defining characteristic for a while now if he comes off as an asshole it's just because he's too dumb to know what he should say in that situation you can almost hear boris karloff get a little x-ray of quinn's head and then it's like in the grinch that stole christmas and then quinn's brain shrunk two sizes that day like it's just so just when i think that quinn cannot be more of a moron and then the brain surgeon took one more piece of quinn's brain (laughs) (laughs) is it gonna be like that scene in hannibal at the end where like he like where the brain surgeon is gonna force quinn to eat his own brain while he's alive like (laughs) i because i would just love that i don't know are we supposed to care about quinn are we supposed to care about jamie these characters everyone is an idiot or insane and yet i'm so bored andrew it's their their craziness has gotten boring i don't understand how that's possible okay okay well well let's move on to our main topic of this week and kind of bring this all together and that is the fact that the brain surgeon has apparently returned 
there was all this stuff with Zack where he was framed for Cassie's murder, and now he himself is dead. Yay! I mean, uh, oh, 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 that's, yeah, too bad. Okay. And, and this is after Dexter has kind of come around and been like, well, hey, maybe Zack could be a good student. That's not going to be developed anymore because Zack's gone. I have a question for you, Charlie. Yes. Is Vogel the brain surgeon? That's what I was thinking. How else could Zack have been killed in that short length of time unless Deb, I mean, excuse me, unless Dexter and Hannah had sex for like eight hours or something? Like, how else could he have been killed like that? I also love how clean uh, and spotless his room was. Where did he get killed? Um, how did he get killed? I mean, well, we know how he got killed, but where did he get killed? Uh, in what room did he get killed? How? Where was the brain surgeon? Also, uh, once again, I feel no loss of a, a character who has been killed off at the end of an episode that's meant to left uh, that is meant to uh, be a uh, tragic cliffhanger. Especially considering that Zach is a sexist uh, pig who the entire episode just looks at Dexter and goes, dude, whenever a hot girl walks by. And I'm just like, is this character supposed to be likable? No, he's supposed to be a teenager. But he's not a funny teenager. Like, I'm just so sick of just, dude, that girl is hot. <laughs> we need a new Masuka. Okay, now that Masuka's becoming this wholesome character. <laughs> but, I mean, like, Masuka was sexist, but, like, I don't know what it was about Masuka's sexism that made it more charming. Maybe because the guy had a heart and we knew it? It's because he's Asian and you're racist. That's why you thought it was acceptable. Oh, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for playing the race card on me when you didn't even remember who Angie was. Oh, that's one other thing. Where the hell is Angie? She has been promoted for sergeant, and she is nowhere to be found. What the hell? Angie She's out doing her job. I have my fingers crossed that the finale, she's going to show up and be like, I figured it all out. I have solved everything. Every person that Dexter has ever killed, I have the evidence. Uh. <laughs> I mean, apparently she has no friends in the Miami PD. No one else cares that she's been promoted to sergeant. No one cares that she's never around the office. She's not running anything. Apparently Matthews is running everything. Way to uh, be supportive of your female African-American uh, characters, Showtime. Like, seriously, it's just so offensive how they were building her up to be such a good character. And now they're like, well, now that Quinn's subplot is uh, over and uh, we've used this character to develop another white, very heterosexual male's character arc, we're just gonna uh, get rid of her or put her off to the side for a few episodes. Okay, okay, well, getting back to Vogel. Okay. Okay, the episode <laughs> ended, and like you, I thought, oh, Vogel's the brain surgeon. I like that, because she's the big bad, and Charlotte Rampling's awesome, and that means we're gonna see a lot more of her. Great. I like it. Well, is she the brain surgeon? I have well, a question. Okay, well, that's, that's what I'm, I'm trying to ask you. Charlie, because I went back and rewatched the ending. Mm -hmm. So Vogel leaves to take Zach home. Yes. She knows everything that's been going on with Dexter and Zach. Mm -hmm. So she could hypothetically have framed him for Cassie's murder for some reason. <laughs> See, that's the other thing that makes me doubt that maybe makes me go, well, huh, maybe Vogel's not the right surgeon because like, wait, why would she encourage Dexter to teach in the code and then frame Zack for murder? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Granted, it could just be bad writing. I don't know. She supposedly takes Zack home, which leaves Dexter free to have sex with Hannah, 
And then when Dexter arrives home to find Zach's body, he picks up the phone and calls Vogel. And then cuts to the shot of Vogel on the phone holding the jar with part of Zach's brain in it. Which, by the way, if she isn't the brain surgeon, the brain surgeon certainly knows how to get to her house really quickly after that murder. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, because the first time when I was just watching the episode, I thought, okay, she's holding Zach's brain. She's the brain surgeon. She killed him. But then I started thinking about it, and I went back and and paid close attention to that shot, and Charlotte Rampling looks genuinely kind of surprised. Yeah, that's what I got, too. Like, what is this thing I'm holding? I can't believe this. So now I'm thinking, okay, maybe she's not the brain surgeon. The brain surgeon is someone else who killed Zach and sent his brain to uh, Dr. Vogel. And it was just, it was really unclear and I really wished that they had, instead of having the, the episode end with Dexter stopping Hannah from leaving, it should have ended with that phone conversation <laughs> <laughs> where he calls her and they have to talk and fi- try to figure out what's going on. Make that a little bit clearer because I was like, oh, Vogel's the brain surgeon. So this phone conversation should be interesting. And now I'm thinking, well, wait, maybe she's not the brain surgeon. Maybe she would just answer the phone and be like, Dexter, what happened? (laughs) That would be great if that's exactly how... Dexter, OMG! (laughs) (laughs) What happened to my spiritual grandson? Like, okay, okay. If Vogel is the brain surgeon, they better have a damn good explanation for why they showed us her receiving those packages. And terrified in her house. Yeah, yeah. yeah, They better have a really good reason for that, because that's just... The worst type of audience manipulation. That's that's cheating. That's being lied to. As, as like Roger Ebert said about that movie High Tension, uh, which I won't reveal the twist to, but Roger Ebert gave that film one star and said, uh, I went to the film, um, the movies today, and I was lied to. My other problem with this, I could tell that the writers were trying to get us to be like, oh my god, the brain surgeon's still alive! That's insane! And in reality, I was just going, ugh, this subplot isn't over yet. Well, that's the thing. I thought that they were, at first, I thought they were saying, oh Vogel's the brain surgeon. And I got kind of excited, like, all right, I'm on board with that. I like Charlotte Rampling. She can be evil now. Let's do this. But now I'm not sure, and I'm just like, <laughs> well, clarify it for me. You can't have this big twist and not fully reveal what the twist is. Does anyone care? I mean, when you think about it, if Vogel isn't the brain surgeon, uh, who else could it be? And does it matter? The only logical explanation for a character being the brain surgeon that I can think of is Cassie's boyfriend, Patrick, who we know nothing about. And uh, the only reason I can think of him killing Zach is because uh, he talked to Quinn and Quinn uh, made it clear that he thinks that Zach was the person who killed Cassie. Then who killed Cassie? I don't know. Who cares? I, it just doesn't make sense. And then it's like, well, that's kind of a coincidence that Cassie's new boyfriend would be the brain surgeon. Surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. I, I like, I have so many mixed feelings about this. Again, the brain surgeon, you know, Dexter's always had serial killers that it built up for half a season or an entire season. And that's mm-hmm. that's fine. The problem is it's it's not setting up the pieces in a very satisfying way and in a, in a very coherent way. No. So now they've got this big twist and I'm like, okay, well, what's the twist? Like, you, you need to start answering some questions like right now. You need, you need to tell me what's going on. <laughs> 
that's exactly how I felt. Like, I felt like the writers were like, we're going to totally pull the rug under from the viewers, and they're going to be so shocked and amazed that AJ Yates isn't the brain surgeon. But in actuality, I was just like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. This doesn't make sense. Okay, well, the other interesting thing is that Dexter comes in and finds Zack's body, and there's an iPod that's playing your own kind of music, or whatever the title of the song is, Play Your Own Kind of Music. And wasn't that song playing at Vogel's house or in some scene with Vogel? Maybe. Earlier in the season? The only music I noticed was the piano that was played while Jamie uh, looked into Cassie's apartment. Uh, There was a song that was sung in Spanish in the car with Hannah and Dexter. And apart from that, I can't tell. That would be great, though, if there was, like, a really, like, a really iconic song, like We've Only Just Begun by the Carpenters or something, like something that could have made it, like, either really creepy or darkly funny, but I I don't know. I have to be honest, I didn't pay attention to the music because I was like, Saxted, yay! And then I was just like, oh, the brain surgeon's still around, and I thought we were over this because we haven't paid attention to him for four episodes, and I just, you know, it's just like, it's a whodunit with suspects that I could really care less about, let alone know anything about. To me, that's the worst thing in a whodunit is to bring a bunch of characters in at the end and be like, okay, these side characters who uh, weren't in, like, any scenes at all, they're actually the ones behind the curtain the entire time. Like, that's just cheap. That gives me no rooting interest in who the brain surgeon is. Do you care who the brain surgeon is? I, I kind of care because I kind of want it to be Vogel because I like Charlotte Rampling so much. <laughs> but at the same time, you just said if it was Vogel, it would make absolutely no sense. And I agree with you. Uh, okay, and- uh, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's, it could make no sense. I, I mean, they could, they could explain it. Maybe um, she's the brain surgeon, but AJ was doing some killing for her or something, or, or AJ had gone rogue and was trying, maybe, maybe AJ was her spiritual son and she was training him. I don't know. But I, I, I don't want to sit here and say that they couldn't explain it away. I, I just looked it up. In episode five, Dr. Vogel does play that song. Okay. So clearly they are linking the brain surgeon to Dr. Vogel in some way. She she's involved somehow. I wish they had clarified for us at the end of this episode, is it her or is it not her? Cuz the way they edited everything, at first I was like, "Oh yeah, this is it. Vogel's the brain surgeon." All right. And then I rewatched it and I was like, "Well, wait, now I'm not sure." Yeah, no, I I didn't think that Vogel was the brain surgeon. I thought that she was genuinely shocked. I just feel like clarity has been thrown out the window for everything in this season. Like you said, even though I found the stuff with Hannah to be boring, at least that's giving Dexter a goal. And then to just end with this brain surgeon stuff again, it's like, well, actually, we're getting back into the murkiness of this subplot that we kind of convinced you was over and then disappointed a lot of you with because it was just so blunt. Well, I wasn't I wasn't convinced that it was over. Honestly, just because AJ was such an unsatisfying character, yeah. it was kind of like, well, wait, that's got to be a red herring. So yeah. I, I, I kind of assumed in the back of my mind that the brain surgeon would show up again and that it would be Vogel. Now that I'm not sure it's Vogel, I'm, I'm just like, I don't know what to make of it. I'm not going to write it off yet because hypothetically the writers could be playing the long game and they could have some crazy twist that actually is really good and will kind of bring everything together and make it all make sense in retrospect in an interesting way. So I'm not going to say yet that the brain surgeon arc as a whole is a dud. I will say I do not like how they executed this twist because it it, it just leaves me feeling 
uncertain, and I don't want to be left confused at the end of an episode about what I just saw. Absolutely. And like, if you have questions, that's fine, because then that gives you a lot to talk about and think about for the next week's episode. But if you're confused about what you're supposed to question, that's completely different. Right. They needed like a 30 second phone conversation or portion of a phone conversation where Dr. Vogel was either like, yes, Dexter, I am the brain surgeon. (laughs) cut to black or have her say something like dexter what's going on and have dexter say the brain surgeon is still out there cut to black or so you know just just something quick that would clarify Mm -hmm. is it dr vogel is it someone else what if it's like that brian de palma movie sisters where dr vogel actually has an identical twin (laughs) <laughs> and then we Whoa! can get two Charlotte Rampling roles, and that would be amazing. That would be amazing. I might automatically forgive everything wrong with this season if we get two Charlotte Ramplings. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like conjoined twins that were removed at birth, and one was like the sane uh, psychologist who tried to cure people because she had like a psychotic uh, murdering uh, twin sister. And then if there, and if that is the route they go and they got Brian De Palma to direct that episode, I will be like, I, I will, I'm with you. I would forget everything. A for effort, huh? We made a lot of mistakes. But for a first try, it's not bad. It's not bad. No. It's not great either. Better than your first try. Do you have to do this? Yes, I do. So, you know, overall, Zach, I'm, I, I will defend some of the ideas and some of the arcs and some of the reveals that they have in this episode. Also, did you just call me Zach? Did I call you Zach? I'm, well, <laughs> you are my dark passenger. That is true. What I meant to say is I will defend the stuff with Zach and a lot of the other stuff in this episode, at least on a conceptual level. I think there's a lot of potential here. I think it brings up a lot of interesting ideas. Here's what I think has happened, though, Zach. You just called me Zach again. I did it again. I don't know why I keep calling you Zach. It's okay. It's funny. Okay. I'm, like, stuck in in the episode now. I think that the craziness of this show is having a bad impact on both of us, and we're just going to, like, completely go insane. I'm trapped. Yeah, you're going to start calling me uh, Dexter or Elway. (laughs) instead of Andrew, and I'm going to be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go to, like, the Hollywood video across the street, and every single DVD cover will have Charlotte Rampling on it, and I'll be like, wait, no, (laughs) there's got to be something else. (laughs) Okay, okay. But but I want to throw this out there, Zach, and why do I keep doing this? Damn it! (laughs) Why do I keep doing this? (laughs) Okay, it's been a stressful week. Okay. Yes. Charlie! Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Here's what I'm going to throw out to you. Okay. Imagine this scenario. I'm going to pitch these ideas in a way that could work. Okay. Imagine episodes four and five are completely different. Okay. Mm -hmm. Imagine Deb is still really in her dark place, concerned about Dexter, wanting to confess. Imagine we never meet AJ. (laughs) He never happened, okay? Imagine in episode four, Dexter meets Zack. Also, mm-hmm. imagine in episode four, Hannah shows back up somehow. Okay. So basically, four and five are erased from time, and everything that 
we has been building up to slowly like every character that's been been introduced by a single episode uh gets introduced in one episode and our subplots are just smushed together sort of well what i'm basically saying is just imagine that Instead of all that stuff with Deb and AJ, imagine that they had introduced Zach and Hannah earlier. And so they had those extra two episodes to really develop these relationships, to really show Dexter's conflict with Hannah, to show his confusion. Do I love her? Do I not love her? Is she dangerous? Mm -hmm. Should I fall back in love with her? That would allow time in the season for us to have one or two episodes where Dexter is teaching Zach where Zach is a good student. Dexter gets to experience being Harry, in a sense, being a spiritual father. And then maybe when Zach is killed, suddenly it matters <laughs> a little bit more because we've, yeah. had, we've had those extra two episodes to really see that relationship be established. Now imagine Deb is still in her dark place, so she's concerned about Hannah. She's concerned that Dexter is now training a new killer. That gives her even more reason to want to turn him in or to want to do do something. She wouldn't be happy about this. So you've got that as a potential source of tension. And then uh, imagine instead of Cassie being killed, imagine that character never showed up either. Mm -hmm. What if Jamie was killed? So now Quinn is really pissed off and he's going to start to investigate and that's going to be another source of pressure for Dexter. So Dexter is having to really struggle with all of this coming to a head. Like, okay, I'm training Zach. Uh, I've got this new person, Dr. Vogel. My sister is upset with me and might confess. Quinn is on my my tail. Do I love Hannah? Should I just quit it all right now before I get caught? There needed to be some actual stakes. Yes. And those stakes never got a chance to be properly established because of episodes four and five. That is that is my theory, and that is my pitch to you, that these ideas are good ideas, and they could have been really satisfying and really intense in a lot of ways if they had come earlier. You know what? I, I agree with you. I, I did not think that you pitching these ideas to me uh, in any way could uh, be plausibly compelling. But if you pitch this to Showtime, I seriously think they would fire the writers. <laughs> well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, did the writers consider some of this at all? I mean, when they made that decision in episode four and five, okay, we're going to completely change Deb's arc and suddenly make her okay with Dexter again. I, I'm just wondering, like, what was the reason for that? Because yeah, it, it just got rid of so much of the tension and so much of the potential for drama and for major developments. It it almost feels like they were just like, we have to have every character doing everything. This is the last season. We have to have every character, no matter matter how superficial or minor they have been in this past, to do something. And it almost feels like that could have been like a blueprint for what could have been a script. And then it almost feels like someone took over that script that you just pitched and was like, nah, we need to make everything more intense and more rushed and more fast paced and amp it up. But in actuality, uh, the fact that they wanted to go faster made it less developed and ultimately nullified a lot of that tension. Because honestly, uh, the only thing I would say is I, I just think that Zach should never have existed. I mean, the spiritual father thing, sure. But we've already got, as I've said before, I feel like we already got that kind of thing with Miguel Prado. I know he was more of a sidekick than a spiritual fa- uh, father figure to Miguel Prado to you. 
but I feel like we've explored that territory before. But everything else, yeah, if Jamie died, I might actually care. I mean, I don't even like Jamie that much or think she's much of a character, but it would have had more weight than Cassie. Well, right, and it, and it would have impacted Quinn. Yeah, and that would have given him something to do besides worry about the sergeant's exam. <laughs> the frickin' sergeant exam that doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, and I, I like the Zach stuff. I like that idea of Dexter thinking, well, maybe I can have a protege. Maybe I can be a spiritual father. This kid's just like me. But do I really want to do that? Am I the type of person that should be creating copies of himself? Do I want to leave Zach to carry on my legacy and go run away with Hannah? Or should I just stop with Zach? And again, I think that that could have pushed Deb to some interesting places if she had to struggle mm-hmm. with the fact that, well, I love my brother, but what he does is wrong, and now he's training someone else. That's not good. Even the stuff with the brain surgeon, that whole idea of the brain surgeon, you can still have that going on in the background, have people getting murdered, have more crime scenes with people's heads being chopped off, but don't have it be AJ, and have maybe <laughs> maybe that can be what brings Dexter and Zach together. Like, okay, Zach, I'm going to train you. As part of your training, you're going to come around with me, and we're going to try and solve this brain surgeon thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that it still would be overstuffed. I still think that this season has had way too many subplots cooking that are just feel like they just come out completely cold. It's a lot of stuff, but if you have those extra two episodes yeah. to really develop them, I think that that could, that could count for a lot. That's a hundred mm-hmm. minutes of extra time that you can spend. Yeah, I think that in my personal preference, I, I'm just not a fan of Zack. I I think that that what they've tried to do is interesting. I think the execution fell completely flat. I think Hannah alone could send Deb off the deep end if she was in this downward spiral. And then her brother, who she's had such a grudge against for the first three episodes, as she's spiraling downwards into her own personal hell. If Hannah came in earlier and she saw that her brother is still in love with someone who tried to kill her, and he's going off and spending time with her while she herself is uh, getting is still addicted to coke and drugs and stuff like that. I think that would have been enough motivation. I don't think that you need the whole Zack subplot to motivate Deb. I think Hannah would have been sufficient enough. That's fair. But, th- but I'm not a Zack fan. I, right. I just never have been. And maybe it's just personal preference. I just feel like it's it's water they've treaded through already. It feels like this season could seriously end with, like, either Dexter or Deb in a straitjacket and Dr. Vogel entering in, like, a blank white room and just saying, like, how are you feeling today? Did you take your medication? And then it's just, like, all this huge fever dream. Even for the universe of Dexter, it feels like it doesn't take place on planet Earth. Like, even season six, as absurd as it was, it felt like I I could still buy that it would take place in this version of Miami that they have uh, depicted. And here, it's just like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Dexter finds out that everyone around him is an alien or something. See, I I disagree with you, and I disagree with with Alex, who commented on the site when he says that this is now even worse than season six. It's getting there, dude. I really don't think so. It's pretty bad. I don't think this is anywhere near as bad as season six. Not even Ugh. close. There, I mean, these ideas that I'm seeing with Hannah and that conflict of, do I want to go away with Hannah and stop killing? Can, is that even possible? 
all this stuff with Zach and Dr. Vogel and this idea of spiritual parents and passing on a legacy. I think these are all really, really great ideas. And now whenever I'm watching Dexter, I'm just thinking to myself, man, these are some solid ideas that I wish they had introduced earlier and really, really fleshed out. Because I don't think this is a horrible season. It like season six, pretty much every single decision after episode three or four, I was just like, what are you doing? How can you think this is a good idea? Whereas there's stuff in here where I'm sitting here thinking, man, these are good ideas. I just hate how you've executed them. And the execution is so uneven and mediocre that that's what is really disappointing to me. Maybe that's why I'm being so harsh on this season and saying it's almost as bad as season six, because season six, the ideas, like at least they stuck with one theme and they had ideas around that theme that didn't work. But here they're introducing stuff that has potential and they're just wasting it. And that's almost like it takes, you know, sometimes to me, the worst movies uh, or TV shows are ones that have potential and they're just floundered or, you know, they're made by really talented people and they just miss the mark so horribly that it just makes me mad. Like season six, I was mad after season episode three or four because I knew exactly where they were going and it just wasn't working here. They're introducing all this stuff and I'm like, okay, this could work. And then by, you know, two episodes later, I'm like, wow, they really like went off target here. This is either putting me to sleep or I'm rolling my eyes or I'm howling at how ludicrous this all is. It's one of the most discombobulated seasons of television I have ever watched. I was seriously thinking of an allegory for this. And there was one, the one Thanksgiving, um, my aunt took stuffing out of the oven and it was in a, a glass plate and she put the plate on a very cold countertop and since the glass plate was so hot and it tried to balance with the cold counter it literally exploded and stuffing and glass were all over my aunt's apartment and I seriously feel like that's what's going on with the season is they have so many things cooking and then they're like what do we do with this and they just put it off to the side and then it just explodes it's making me angrier than season six because season six it's like I see where they're going with this it's boring but at least I know what they're doing and I can follow it here it's just like we're gonna introduce five different things and uh we're not going to follow through on really any of them. You know, the spiritual father thing, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm disappointed that Zach's killed. I was ready to, like, pop open a bottle of champagne, but, like, do you think that that was executed well? I mean, to introduce this whole subplot of a spiritual father figure and then be like, actually, he's dead. Uh, that didn't really work out. I think if we had had one or two more episodes to really see that relationship develop maybe it could have worked because i i think it's a great idea fair enough and we get the sense even in just these few episodes that dexter kind of wants to be a teacher he wants to be a spiritual father he's 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 i like the scenes where he's telling zach you know this is how you need to hide a body this is how you need to do this oh but hey you did a good job with this kill room that's not bad i like the dynamics of that relationship i i, I would have liked to have seen more of that I really do think that if we had had another episode or two to spend with Zack, maybe they could have even won you over. Who knows? Maybe if they didn't take it so seriously either, if Dexter caught, like, Zack, like, smoking a bong or something and him being like, what are you doing? And he's just like, yo, man, you want to hit? Like, I don't know. It just took itself so seriously. Like, what if... Zach likes to party on the weekends, and Dexter's like, what are you doing? You you can't be seen here. And yeah, I get it. Zach is a sociopath. Dexter's a sociopath. They're not normal people. But, like, 
I have no rooting interest in whether or not Zach learns or not, because all we know is that he thinks every woman around Dexter is hot, and he has mommy issues, and he killed his dad's girlfriend. Well, it's like we talked about last week. I like supporting characters when they impact the main characters. And I think if we had had another episode or two with Zack, even if you don't develop Zack particularly well, or even if you don't really come to like Zack, just having another episode or two where we get to see Dexter dealing with those issues and having to struggle with, should I be training Zack? Is this a good idea? Can I stop? Maybe I don't want to be hairy. Yeah. I I think that would have been good. And then when Zack's killed, I I think it it would have been surprising, at least to Dexter, because then suddenly that decision is made for him. But isn't it so predictable? I mean, we all knew Zack wasn't going to live until the end. I was just waiting until he got killed off. I was just kind of like, I just sighed with relief and was like, okay, finally, we don't have to deal with this character anymore. Like... Not like I'm saying that the character has to be likable, but he can at least be interesting. Zack isn't interesting at all. I mean, there are plenty of television shows where I deeply dislike the characters, but they can at least be fascinatingly evil, or uh, they can at least have personality. Well, I also think, you know, if they'd had another episode or two, if they had known going in, we're going to spend four or five episodes with this Zack character, they probably would have written him a lot differently. They probably would yeah. have, they probably would have uh, tried to do some more stuff with him that would make him more interesting and, and pull the audience on board. But as we talked about last week, they're basically treating all the supporting characters as plot devices. Yeah, and they don't feel real. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm watching this season, and I know you hate it, Charlie, but I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, man, there's some really good ideas here. There's some there's some themes and some concepts that get right to the core of what this series has always been about. They're just rushing through them so quickly that it's just, it's it's not really satisfying, and that is what disappoints me the most. I don't think the season can be totally written off. I don't think it's awful. I think it's founded on some pretty great ideas, and I just think that those two episodes, Charlie, I think episodes four (laughs) and five really just completely sent the season off a cliff in terms of how they can execute these ideas from now on. Yeah, well, I just want to say, to write off this season completely without watching the end would be completely unfair for me as the co-host of this show as well as judging the season as a whole. So while I will agree with you, I am not happy with where we have gone so far. It's not fair of me to just say this sucks and it's awful and it's the worst last season of television ever when we haven't gotten to the destination. And once again, listeners, I like this show. I do. I was, like, totally gripped by the first three-fourths of season seven. Like, I want the show to succeed. I would not have signed up for this show if I didn't want to like this show. But holy shit, guys. Like, is this really the best we're going to get in this last year of this show? I still think the writers can pull it off. I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose to remain optimistic. There could be some crazy twists that we're, we don't see coming that actually change how we view what we've gotten up to this point so who knows maybe they're playing the long game and maybe it is all going to come together i mean i can think of a few twists right now that i think well hey that would be interesting it's really crazy but it could work 
maybe? I, I would like to hear about those, actually. But I also think that you should kill off at least one of the writers of the show and go in in disguise <laughs> and steal their identity and rewrite the entire ending of this season because your ideas are much more rich and developed than what we are watching right now. Well, I, I mean, I think th- I think they're clearly setting this up for something big because we know that Vogel's been doing some crazy experiments. We know that she's been following Dexter for a while. We know that she was working on AJ and and these other people as well. So clearly there's some big master plan going on. So I'm I'm curious to figure out what that is. There's a part of me that's also wondering, well, wait, this is a season that seems to be all about family. What if Vogel is his grandmother or some other relative or an aunt or something? I don't Why know. Why haven't they revealed that yet? It wouldn't make any sense. Why can't she just go up to him in the first episode and say that? What does she have to hide that from? Maybe it's related to whatever her big plan is. I think the show could go crazy places that maybe they could pull it off and make it satisfied. Showtime is pranking us. This season is a complete lie. (laughs) (laughs) This is just, this isn't real. Uh, Well, I know, I know that's what Rachel said last time she was on, or maybe when when you went on the Dexter cast, she said that she's kind of thinking, well, maybe this is all a dream or something. (laughs) It isn't actually happening. It's actually all in Dexter's head, and he's uh, getting the process that Jim Carrey had in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, where he wants to erase all of his memories of murder, and uh, (laughs) so soon, like, no one in Miami will have faces, and uh, (laughs) he he won't remember Deb or Hannah, and... uh, It'll just be him and Deb meeting up with Hannah or something and, I don't know, getting coffee. That's a, this, this is a good way to end the show, Charlie. Let's go off on a fun note, and I'm going to ask you, what is your theory about what's going on? Either in terms of who the brain surgeon is or what Vogel's plan is or what she's hiding. I mean, do you have a theory as to what that could be? I, I think I said it before uh, that Patrick Cassie's boyfriend or former boyfriend could be the brain surgeon. Not like I find that to be satisfying, but I think that's a possibility. Oh, I think that's a stupid idea. I think it's a stupid idea too, but have we gotten much that has shown, that has shown much promise? Okay, well, you think we have, okay. I think the only reason that character showed up was because they were like, ooh, we're gonna, this is gonna introduce romantic conflict there with Dexter and Cassie and she has a new guy and I think it was just a terrible idea that failed. But why is he still here? Just so Quinn can interrogate him? Yeah, he's just here so the audience can be certain, oh, he didn't kill Cassie. Who is the brain surgeon? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Vogel. I would think that it would be incomprehensible, even by uh, the logic of the season, for it to be Vogel, but I think it would be the most campy, over-the-top, fun way to go out with a bang. I guess my problem with this season, Andrew, is like, I don't know what my theory is. I don't know what's happening in this show. (laughs) What I'm going to say to you right now, Charlie, this is not my actual prediction for what is going to be revealed, but here's like my my pitch-slash-theory as to what could be going on okay okay (laughs) and i'm gonna just try and come up with this on the spot and maybe it won't all make sense but first i i need to get something straight how old is dexter well i would assume he's in his mid to late 30s at this point i mean considering that uh michael c hall was on six feet under and he looked like he was in his early 30s late 20s and now we've basically spent a whole decade with dexter i'd say he's close to his early 40s late 30s 
Okay. That's then, just my estimation. Okay, then I, this theory probably makes no sense, and I'm sure there are people out there that actually know how old certain individuals are that will prove me wrong. But here, here's my crazy pitch, uh-huh. Charlie, okay? Okay. We know something traumatic happened to Vogel. Because yes. she referred to it at dinner that something happened to her, and that's kind of what got her into all this stuff with psychopaths. So I think either something happened to her early on in her life that made her a psychopath, or she is Dexter's grandmother somehow, even though she'd probably have to be really old for that to make sense chronologically. <laughs> She's Dexter's grandmother, and her daughter was killed. And the trauma of losing her daughter affected her. So when Dexter's mother died, it also affected Vogel. She became obsessed with her grandson, following him, figuring out what makes him tick. They both kind of became psychopaths, or maybe she already was one. And she's been doing experiments on all these people. But it all started with Dexter because he's subject zero. And the brain surgeon is a spiritual son of hers that has gone rogue or is trying to make her life a living hell yeah that's what i'm gonna go with wouldn't you be so upset if it was like the brain surgeon was this character who you never knew the entire time like i just feel like that's so cheap not necessarily depend it depends on who it is because again what if the brain surgeon shows up and it's like i'm your other brother (laughs) there were three Little boys in the room, though, your mother was chainsawed to death. <laughs> you just never paid attention. Yeah. I am your... I don't know. We already know what happened to Dexter's biological father, right? Yes. Okay. So the brain surgeon can't be his biological father. I, I, I'm, I know that was dealt with in, in an earlier season. I just can't remember the details. Also, to answer your question, well, this doesn't answer the question as to whole De- how old Dexter is, but as to how old Michael C. Hall is. Michael C. Hall was born on February 1st, 1971, so that would make him 42. Okay. I'm, I'm not even a fan of math, but my curiosity, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't help myself. But who knows? I mean, how old Charlotte Rampling? I guess I could look that up, too. She's in her 70s. Let's say Dexter is 35 and Vogel is 75. You know, Vogel had Dexter's mother when she was 20, and then Dexter's mother had him when she was 20. I, I don't know. I can't remember how old she was. Or Dexter was, like, the the baby that was never supposed to be when Vogel was, like, 50 or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that would be crazy if Vogel is actually Dexter's mother. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> and, they, and he was adopted. See, that I could actually buy in a really ridiculously bonkers kind of way. Like, yes. I would just love that if they just were like, we're going to take it all the way up to 11. We're going to amp it up that high, and we're just going to go and make it a Greek tragedy where it is all about family, and the family plot twists are ridiculous, and everybody dies in a, an explosion, or everyone's killing each other. I don't know. Right, and, it, and suddenly it's, no, Dexter, I'm not just your spiritual mother. I'm your biological mother as well. <laughs> she's actually God. <laughs> she's ac- or she's actually Satan. It could be like that movie, The Devil's Advocate, where Al Pacino plays Satan. Well, I mean, we we already know that she's Frankenstein, and she's created a bunch of Frankenstein monsters. So <laughs> Dexter's actually made out of dead body parts. <laughs> So who knows? Maybe when Vogel's master plan is revealed, I mean, AJ talked... What was it AJ said to her on the phone? 
oh, uh, it looks like Vogel's found her hero or something. Right, right, something like that. So I'm, I'm still curious to figure out what that all means. Yes, right now it's very messy, but I'm not going to completely be negative. I, I do think there's a chance the writers could be holding something in their back pocket that they're going to throw out over the next few episodes that's going to make everything clear and make it make a lot more sense in retrospect. I also want viewers, listeners to know that, yeah, it, I, I do have a bias going into these episodes because it's gone so off the rails these past few episodes that I feel like it's almost impossible for me not to expect low-quality episodes at this point. But I go into every episode wanting to like it. I don't want listeners to think that I am looking for ways to deconstruct this show. It's just that... It's messy. I'm not going to... It's messy. I'm going to give you that, Charlie. It's very messy, but I, I think there are some good ideas they're playing with, and I'm hopeful that they will somehow pull them all together at the end That'll be in a way that will be satisfying. I, I will say this. I find this show to be a lot more fun to talk about than watch with you because <laughs> I feel like like you're, you've got good defenses that I couldn't think of. The crazy elements we can both agree are uh, entertaining to talk about, if not necessarily to watch. I'm not going to say this is the worst season of television I've ever watched because that would be a lie. I don't know what this is. It's like... Well, okay. Well, Charlie, at the end of Dexter, when we do our big wrap-up or whatever, I'm sure we'll talk about the series as a whole and rank all of the seasons. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, Charlie, this is not going to be my worst season unless they totally somehow just go completely off the rails in the end. I, I either want the next few episodes to uh, feature musical numbers or uh, use Shakespearean dialogue or just have random things. Like, I want it to go so off the rails that, like, a meteor hits Miami and, like, wipes out, like, half the character. Like, I, I don't know. Just, it's gotten so insane. Well, the next episode is titled Make Your Own Kind of Music after the song. Oh, really? Yeah, so <laughs> maybe they'll make it a, mu- a musical episode. That would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also, here's just a random thing I'm going to throw out there. The song, Make Your Own Kind of Music, played an important role on Lost. I don't watch Lost, so I'm sorry. I don't get that connection, and I feel embarrassed. Well, it also it also played a role on Lost, and so I'm wondering if they chose that song because they're going for a Lost-ish type of structure where it's kind of a puzzle and you're trying to figure out what all the answers are. And then in these last few episodes, there's going to be some big reveals and we're going to get some answers that are supposed to tie everything together. Maybe huh. may, maybe that's what they're going for. I, I, who knows? Or maybe they just forgot that Lost used that song. I, I don't know. Uh, what if what if they all just uh, broke into a montage of and started singing "Make Them Laugh" from "Singing in the Rain"? <laughs> or, or, or better yet, uh, what if they make it like let's they, let's amp up the lost puzzle one more step and make it like Christopher Nolan's Memento, where they have the episode backwards, Ooh. <laughs> where like Hannah's dead, and then you like watch it scene by scene from there. It's gotten to the point, Andrew, where there's just been so many uh, implausibilities and so it's gotten so loopy that I just want it to go full out crazy. I just want the writers to go psycho mode and just, like, kill Hannah. If, if Hannah dies, I will be happy because that will mean something uh, that Dexter will have lost. 
and it will amp up the drama, and it, I want characters to start dying. I want there to be sacrifices, because these two characters, Hannah and Zach, uh, I don't think anyone really, I mean, I shouldn't speak for everyone, sorry listeners, if you do care, I don't care that they are now gone from the show. And if anything, I feel like they've gotten rid of some filler subplots that were never necessary to begin with. All right. Well, we still have, I think, four episodes of the series left to go. Four? We oh, have, my God. We have four to go. Are we there yet? <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to start getting a few answers pretty soon. So I have my fingers crossed that the next four episodes are going to be really good and they're going to somehow take these muddled subplots and make them really interesting. But, Andrew, we've been saying that for the past three episodes. Well, yeah, and again, and I've been defending, and I've been defending... Yes, you have, yes, you have, yes, you have. That's not fair of me to attack you for that. I've been defending certain ideas. Not always the execution, but I have been defending certain ideas, so hopefully, over the next four episodes, the execution will improve. <laughs> I feel like I'm on laughing gas. Like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just getting high off of this show. Like, it's just such a surreal experience for me. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of Avenging Angels. We would love to get your feedback on the show. Let us know. What do you think of this season of Dexter? Do you think it's completely gone off the rails? Is it worse than season six? Or are you like me and kind of think, well, hey, there's some good ideas in here. There's some potential, maybe? <laughs> is, the, is, is the show crazy or am I crazy? Should I seek medical attention? <laughs> you can email us at avengingangels at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the program. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place, Cinema Fix, Navigating the Newsroom, and The Nerdy Projectors. Zach, where can people find you online? <laughs> you can find me online at issue. Not- <laughs> Sorry. No, okay. That okay. one was intentional that time. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> you can find the articles that I've written for your magazine, Emerson, at issue.com. That's issue, I S S U U.com slash your mag. Emerson, and you can find me on Twitter at ctnash91. That's ctnash91. You can find some of my writing at moviemezzanine.com and patheos.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message. Let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Zach Good and Charlie Nash. And always remember to sprinkle a little sage around. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!